Today on the Kyle and Kasanoff Show, we start with playoff hockey, get to the NBA playoffs, and maybe even we'll finish with some Champions League, or, you know, whatever else is on our minds. Stay with us. All right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing really well, man. Really well. The Boston Slam is still on, and because of that, I'm doing as well as ever. Well, uh, let's hope for my sake that it ends pretty quickly here with the uh, Bruins getting a big loss, because I'm not sure I have 60 bucks to hand over. Well, I, I know that I don't have 60 bucks to hand over. And the Bruins being up 2-1 to one right now... Mm. In game four, okay. series go... Where they're down 2-1. They're down 2-1, so okay. Okay. 2-2. Two, two. Goes back to Boston in game five. You know that place is going to be rocking. Does Tom Brady wave that flag pregame? You mm. never know. If he does, instant two-goal lead for the Bruins, basically. That's the kind of energy that he'd bring. The Bruins, they love game fives, especially at home. Mm-hmm. I think a win tonight, easy win game five... They could even, I could say that they could even wrap it up in game six. So your, predict, your prediction is that the Bruins go <laughs> three in a row. I wouldn't put money on it. Okay. But it's a, so I would say it's a tentative prediction, yes. I think the Bruins do win this series. I think that, they're, I think that they're, they should win this series. I think that they're definitely the better team. Look, the problem is, is that guys like Josh Anderson and Artemi Panarin just have found a way to take over in the critical moments. Listen to me. The Bruins played terribly in game three. Terribly. Okay. They only lost by one goal, which means that Columbus didn't play that much better. Okay? Well, I'm sorry, but this is not a game. Uh, this is not a business based on how well you play. It's a results business. It's really I, – I, I'm more saying that as a response to those who say that the Blue Jackets are, are going to take care of business in five. It's a volatile game. It's, a, it, it's been a chaotic playoffs. The Bruins had a bad game in game three. They had a really bad game. Games one and two I thought were really, really close. No, you know what? They were close. But but the problem was, again, what I said was that pretty much in crunch time, the Blue Jackets were the better team. They have, even, yes. Even in the game that the Bruins won, they got outplayed in two periods. Yes, I would, I would 100% agree with that. The Bruins came out strong in the first periods of games one and two. They got a lead, lost that lead in both games. In, into overtime, game one, they happen to get the goal, and, and in game two, they happen to let in the goal. Both of those games, I, I would say, out. Game three, yes, really, really bad game for the Bruins. It was cl- it was definitely a wider margin in terms of the performance than the final score would indicate. Yeah. But I would just say that that like a, like that being the reaction to that one game is definitely an overreaction. I mean, here's what I've said. I don't I'm not sure. I'm not gonna you know say Blue Jackets in five. But there's two big things for me, which is why I'm sticking with my pick of the Blue Jackets, and I feel good about it. Okay. Number one, it's that by your own acknowledgement and what I said, when it's been crunch time, the Blue Jackets have been the better team. Yeah. And so that makes me feel confident that in the Game 7 scenario, the Blue Jackets could perform. Sure. Right? And the second reason is something I've said not today, but before on this podcast, Matt Duchesne. The guy has fire in his eyes. He just has a drive that you just don't see that often. And... It's hard to ignore, and he scores the big goals. He scores in overtime to give the Blue Jackets the lead. He scores the winning goal, you know, in Game Three. It, I mean, you, you just can't undervalue that stuff. And as much as the team game, one guy with an incredible de- desire to win, you know, incredible, you know, feeling to push himself, he can lift his whole team, and he can literally be the difference maker in an overtime scenario. 
And I think also just on the side of the Bruins, like, and you've been preaching this for months, it's going to come down to the depth guys. Yep. The depth guys is who won it for them in the first series against the Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. And we know that the first line is going to produce. Yep. Tonight alone, Pasternak and Bergeron have both goals. Okay. We need the third and the fourth line to step up. We need Corrali, we need Nordstrom, and we need... I don't even know who else is on the third line, on the fourth line. Okay. Who, who's, the, who's, the, who's the third guy on the fourth line? Wagner, I believe. Wagner. I need, I need, I need more from that, honestly. Well, well, here's the other thing, by the way, just about the Blue Jackets, is that you've got, you know, Tortorella saying that Boone Jenner is playing the best hockey that Tortorella has ever seen out of him. Mm-hmm. You've got Dubinsky looking like, you know, 2011 Dubinsky with the Rangers. You've got every single guy stepping up to the plate up and down that roster. And, you know, we said this, I said this after... Uh, you know, when previewing the Bruins series is that Josh Anderson is a big, big problem because he's a big dude and he can score. And last... We'll, we'll get into them in a minute. I mean, last night, I, I mean, Josh Anderson for the Blue Jackets, that is, you know, he's a big, big... Oh, I'm thinking, pro- yeah, of, I'm, I'm thinking of Justin Anderson when you said that. Oh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> no, no. He's a big, big problem. The other night I was watching the uh, game three and Josh Anderson just gets a head full of steam and he just walks to the net. Mm-hmm. He just walks around every defenseman and walks to the net and gets a like a, a grade AAA scoring system if this is like Moody's or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's a triple A scoring chance. A 10-bell save, See, we but call the thing it. is, like... You talk about Matt Duchesne, and you talk mm-hmm. about Artemi Panarin, and you, and you talk about Josh Anderson, but the MVP by far in this series for the Blue Jackets is Sergei Bobrovsky. Yep. Absolutely incredible in all the games. And he's showing us why he's a two-time Vezina champion, okay? <laughs> uh, he and also those. a notable, you know, up until this year, playoff, for lack of a better term, GOAT, I would say. No, I think you mean like a mental midget. Mental midget, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But here's the thing: it only takes one. That's the that's the beauty of these sports that are so hard to win in. If you get your one championship or whatever, all is forgiven. If you do your one good thing, all is forgiven. You sweep the Columbus Blue Jackets, you got no playoff yeah. problems. No, that's I mean, gone. I mean, the I mean, Bruins. Sorry, you sleep. You sweep the the lightning. Yeah, lightning. Yeah, it's yeah. all forgiven. I mean, like, yeah, the Bruins had so many great chances, like, right at the end mm-hmm. on that power play at the yep. end of the game. So many great chances, honestly. Like, But, okay, this is, right? This is what you need if you want to win in the playoffs. You need great goaltending. Go back for as many years as you care to remember. Great goaltending. Look at last year. Right? Marc-Andre Fleury. The Vegas Golden Knights would not mm-hmm. have made it nearly as far as they did without his play. Well, look at look at the game-saving save. The, the, basically, the Stanley Cup winning save in Game 2 for Braden Holpe. He gets his paddle on that puck. And, you know, then it goes back to Washington, and that's all she wrote. Right. No, so, yeah. I mean, I it really matters. Agree. Then look at the defensemen. How many elite defensemen are there? The Columbus Blue Jackets have Seth Jones, elite defenseman. Absolutely. They've got Wierenski. the Bruins have Zidane Chara. <laughs> not, well, he's not elite <laughs> no, I know. anymore. He's really good, especially if you consider the fact that he's 41. Yeah, but he's not. With a lot of miles on He's his. not a standout player anymore, and that's fine. No, yeah, he's not. There's not, no disrespect. But, uh, but I think McAvoy. I mean, he may not he, be on the level of Seth Jones. He's definitely a standout, I would say. But he could get there, so maybe in a year or two. Yes. Right? But he's not there yet. And then you look at that forward group. You look at those guys like Artemi Panarin, Matt Duchesne, and, as real difference makers. And the Bruins, I worry about them a little bit on defense because I think they've got a lot of really good players who on their game can be really good. But I just don't know if they have an every game consistent elite player which you really need to yeah. win. You need one guy to be elite every night. And 
I'm not going to say Tukaras played poorly, but he, I mean, they are losing the goaltending battle. And now, if that means that one guy's got a 985 save percentage and one guy's got a 950, doesn't mean the guy right. with a 950 did badly, but it's just by objective fact, almost, yeah, I would, you're losing. I would say it was the same deal in, in the first round. Yeah. But I thought both goaltenders played well, but yeah. it ended up being that, you know, that slightly higher goals uh, against average was was the one that prevailed and it was and i mean that i that's kind of what the playoffs comes down to a lot it's just about it's not about you know it's a winner take all it's not about how well did you play because at this time of the year usually most teams are playing pretty well and it's not a lack of trying and it's not a lack of wanting it it's just sometimes it's the small stuff it's just it, it all it all matters it all matters and, and i mean again a score update here there's about five minutes left in the first period and the bruins are up two to one okay um we should move over to Carolina yep. and the Islanders. I mean, this is a remarkable situation. I don't. This know isn't if, a series that I've been following that in depth, so you'd have to update me. But here, I know that it's three zero. Here's what I'll say: I don't. The Islanders might get swept, and I don't know if a team has ever swept and then immediately gotten swept in the NHL. I don't know if that's ever happened. Now the Islanders opened this series at home, right? Yep. Uh, one and two are at home. Yep. So do you think how much of it? How much of an effect did? Like we we predicted that playing at Barclays mm-hmm. would be a huge negative for the Islanders going forward. Oh, I think it really mattered. Yeah. I think it really really affected them. It's just not the same. It's not home, you know. But the thing is, it would like I saw the highlights of that game. It was still ninety five plus percent Islander fans. No, like what? That's what, not what, what, it's what is the huge difference? It's just the building, you know. When you play in Nassau Veteran, you know Coliseum, whatever. I'm not going to say the full name, like. <laughs> You've got, Veterans Memorial yeah, you've, got, you've got the history in that building. You've got the legacy. You've got the, like, you know, the We Are the Islanders. And it feels like home, you know? It just feels like where New York Islanders hockey should be played. You know, it's not quite as nice as the other places. I agree. It's, it's definitely closer it's to not, their, what their traditional fan base it, is. That's their roots. That's who yeah. they are. And, you know, they're not Brooklyn gentrified, whatever. They're not taking the train into the big city for the game. You know, that that's not who they are. It's not a slight. It's just... And you think that affected the play? I do. I mean, it's a terrible hockey arena also. The ice is bad. Everything's right, like, bad. It's just, it's, it's just not home, you know? If there's a difference between walking into a hotel where, you know, it's safe passage for the night, but it's, not, it's nothing like walking into your own house and laying in your own bed or your own couch. Sure. It's just not the same, and I think it it affects them, and I think honestly the taste. How do you how do you think before I let you mm-hmm. continue? How do you think that the Islanders moving to Belmont Park? Yeah, will, will that have an effect on them? You think? In maybe in the, in the as opposed to staying at Nassau permanently. No, 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 because no, because that will be home, right? You know, that's like when you move into a brand new house. You know, it's an adjustment period, but then you know that becomes home. Sure. The the problem is the, is the lack of permanence. The problem is the short termism. Right? Like you know, it just it feels like a rental, right? And it it's not a good feeling. I yeah, imagine. no, it's yeah, it's, it's not home. Yeah, it's it, it, that's definitely you know, tough. Teams do move, like you know the the you know the, the Rangers are on what the fourth iteration of Madison Square Garden, but it's still and the Blackhawks are on the eighth iteration of of their home at yeah, the United but Center. It's still home because they made it that way. There's some history. There's sure. So you know there's there's um you know it's just it's just different. Yeah, I would definitely say that the lack of permanence is that, and and also just that. It is far, both far from their what their traditional fan base is, and also just yeah. that it's not a hockey arena at it. Like it, it's at a, its core, it, it's a it's a basketball arena, and no one wants to be there. The players don't want to be there. The fans don't want to be there. 
the other team doesn't want to. No one's happy there. Right. So, uh, I mean, there's there's no reason why it would be good. Yeah, I mean, it, on the other side, it looks like Carolina has really gotten their stuff together here. Sure have. Rallied around that we're a bunch of jerks moniker given to them. Yeah, and Justin Williams is, I mean, that guy, I can't say enough good things about him. Mr. Game 7. He clutch. Epitom- I mean, he's clutch. He knows how to win. He knows how to sacrifice. He knows how to work hard. But more importantly, he showed us that he knows how to lead. This is his team. And while, you know, I don't think you'd ever hear him say that, he's got to feel really good because he knows that he's leading this group of young, young kids. And it's him and, you know, Rod Brindamore, the coach. And, you know, that it's their team almost together. It's almost like a partnership, it seems, sometimes from the outside. Uh, it's it's truly remarkable. And... I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna necessarily say it's a sweep. I'd love to see the sweep and do it at home, but I don't think that. I don't think the Hurricanes are gonna lose this game. Three zero. I mean, Calvin DeHaan, the former Islander, had a great quote the other day. I, I don't have it in front of me, but he basically said, you know, they're you know the other coaches they could say what they want, blah 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 blah, whatever. But at the end of the day, we're up three zero, so we feel pretty good about ourselves. Yeah, no, exactly. And why shouldn't you? Uh, exactly. You you let your play do the talking, and and they're just they're getting it done. And, I mean, I know you wouldn't like to see this, but there was nothing that I would like more than a Columbus-Carolina-Eastern <laughs> Conference final. You, you might, you probably will be the only one outside of those markets, and I tell you, those ratings are going to be the lowest on record. Well, you know what? I'll be watching every minute, okay? <laughs> Especially when it's, you know, Colorado and Dallas. And oh, my God. <laughs> talk about an irrelevant semifinal. Oh, my God. And, and we talk about bandwagon fans. A bunch of teams ha- with fans who... Up until three weeks ago, they're like, huh, we have a hockey team? I can get tickets to these games and they're winning? All right, let's go. Like, That's good, though. I think that as a good thing. But the thing, thing is, that doesn't mean anything about, you know, when it's October 20th and, and it's game two of the of the regular season. You see, are, those, are those fans going to turn up again? That's actually where you're wrong. Uh, you know, when you talk to NHL executives, they'll tell you, they, they will just tell you that the numbers don't support what you just said. They'll tell you that winning in the playoffs in small markets does affect your draw the following fall. Having that success does carry over. Now, I, I'm you... not, again, like I mentioned, I kind of said two contradictory things there. I said in the long term. I don't think that this is going to affect them. I think it's definitely a slow, slow process. It this... does affect them in the long term, though. It does. I don't think it will, though. Again, the, again, the Hurricanes, like I've, I've mentioned I've mentioned it to you before, they have a Stanley Cup. This is the long term from that Stanley yeah, Cup, they and went... they are still consistently last in attendance. Yeah, but they went into a long, long right. period and, and of being what's bad. To, and what's to think that one hot postseason is going to not carry over to to another period of long, long losing. Well, because they have a good. What you team. just said is just winning right now is definitely going to f- affect draw in the future. Yeah, but it, it's ha- not. It's not going to affect it at all if they if they don't continue to win. But they. But they should. And, and there's no to indication win. to me that they will continue to win. They're hot now, but they didn't beat anyone in the regular season. They barely made it to the playoffs. Yeah, but- and, and obviously. As of what we said before, all that matters is getting to the playoffs. Yeah, but the regular season doesn't matter. Ask but if the, you're not winning in the regular season, why go? Ask the Tampa Bay Lightning if they would rather have, you know, the dominated the regular season sure. or won in the playoffs. Sure. No, I mean, here's the thing. Hindsight's 2020. It does that. affect it because people will start, will continue showing up when the winning happens. They'll become fans. And to your point, I mean, when Chicago was miserable in the early 2000s, they could barely get 3,000 right. fans a game. And that's Chicago. So I don't think there's any reason to say. Also, I mean, you look at the Carolina Hurricanes, the only guy they're going to lose over the next three years is probably Justin Williams because he's just, you know, eventually going to retire, we assume. But. 
I mean, it's not actually a bad... Like, they have a really good young team. They have more guys in the pipeline. I see no reason why this team isn't going to get better going forward. And I think that this run is going to increase ticket sales for the fall, is going to get more fans in the door. Tom Dundon, whatever happened with him in the AAF, he's shown a commitment to the Hurricanes that is admirable. And I think the future looks extremely bright for them. See, I don't know. Like, I feel like this is a similar take that you had with the Vegas Golden Knights last year. And the Vegas Golden Knights obviously se- severely underperformed everyone's expectations, I but felt like. But they sustained their fans. They definitely sustained their fans. But that was also kind of the novelty of it, though. They're playing in a brand new arena in Las Vegas. They're the only draw there. It's, it was kind of a, it was a novelty. And also going to the Stanley Cup in the first year, like they already had like a, a dramatic amount of, of season ticket sales in their first year. But this is, the, this is the Carolina Hurricanes. It's a very different market. They're playing in an aging arena in, in a college basketball town. You know, and they've been there for a while, and they've been consistently last in attendance, um, at least in the Eastern Conference. I mean, up until the Islanders moved to Brooklyn. And well, they, they're on and the they, mend. They're on they, the mend. They're definitely on the mend. It's their best year. I'm just saying that the Eastern Conference final between Carolina and Columbus is the NHL's worst-case scenario. You, I, Absolutely. I don't agree with that because Gary Bettman is not in like stuck in the short term. He understands why it's good for these markets to win. He understands that, and I would bet you any amount of money, any amount of money, not actually, because I don't have any amount of money, but the Carolina Hurricanes next year, as a result of their playoff success, will beat their average attendance from this year. Sure. No, so, no, no, yes. So two Com- years completely. of gain in the row. Why, how can you knock that? How can you call that a bad thing? Right. I'm, I'm just saying that it would be better for the league. It would be, it would be better for everyone in terms of storylines. Not a whole lot of people know who the players on the Carolina Hurricanes or the Columbus Blue Jackets so are. So that's good just for the league. Just from the outside Exposure looking in. Exposure is good for the league. I don't think so, though. It's, it's such a small sample size. You want... You know Boston versus New York in the. It, I think that's best case scenario for the East Finals. It, and obviously, it's not going to happen because I don't think Nor- I don't think the Islanders are going to win four in a row. But I think that's best case scenario for the league. I don't agree with that because the league doesn't need to sell tickets in Boston. The league doesn't need to generate TV views in Boston in the long term. Right, but they I'm have saying. That but I'm saying run. that what I think is this: this success so far for Carolina and Columbus is enough. I think I think this is enough. No, it's, I think it's not this enough. This is enough because one of them's going to lose. So like only one of them's really going to have like that, you know, Stanley Cup. I mean, hypothetically assuming both of them advance. Yeah. One of the only one of them's going to have the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. But I think both of them are still going to improve in terms of attendance next year. They both will ex- improve as a result of this winning. But I mean, if you're the Columbus if you're the NHL right now, you probably want the Columbus Blue Jackets to win the Stanley Cup. And I'll tell you why. Well, well, okay, for those of you not in the studio, Kyle's face turned sour than if he had eaten I was just a trying to, I was trying grape. to process that, and I'm, I'm interested to see where you're going to go in terms of why they've, that would be the case. They've never won. You, they need Neither has San Jose. And San Jose is in California. They have the whole Bay Area. That's a much larger population to draw from in terms of potential hockey but fans. But they don't need that. Mar- like They have that market on lock. They sell out that Shark Tank. They do well. I think best case scenario for the NHL, it's Columbus Blue Jackets winning the Stanley Cup. They start, but you never know in terms of potential future expansion in terms of a second team in the Bay Area. That could be a potential that. X they're factor. They're not going to do that. I'll, you never know. They're not going to do it. I do know. I mean, they went to Vegas. I thought that was kind of a long shot when they announced that. They're not going to put a second team in the Bay Area at, unless participation in that market blows up. Unless and people, who knows? The Sharks winning the Stanley Cup. They could become the number one team in the Bay Area, assuming the Warriors drop off. You never know. I'm just saying it's a possible X factor there. It's a possible, but 
I think that Columbus, they need to build up their history. They need to have something to hang their hat on. They need that historical run. You know, that's something that makes the people of Columbus say, you know, I was there when. Especially in a... But do you think the people of Carolina are, are going around saying that? They have a Stanley Cup. The people of Colorado. I think there's a small group of people who do say that. But I just think that it was a long time ago, so it's not as important. You know, that was 18 years ago for the Colorado Avalanche. And that was, you know, almost 15 years ago... Yeah, almost 15 years ago for the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I mean, times change. You know, kids who are really into sports often, like, you know, 14 to 25, like, you know, those kids were really young. I think, I don't know, like, I don't know en- enough about NHL history, but, like, is there really any, like, a, a market like Carolina mm-hmm. in the hockey world? Yeah. Like, even even this success, though, like, will it ever be... Could it ever become a draw for free agents? Like, would guys ever want to play there? Yes. As, like, over... Like, turning down a New York or an L.A. or a Boston or a Chicago? Yes. You know? Yes. Because not everyone necessarily wants the limelight. You know, like, it's what we talked about with Manny Machado. Sometimes... You just want to get your money and go to a, a nice place to live and ha- live a, and have a good time, and you get to have your fun being a professional athlete. Not everyone needs to feel like you know they're the biggest celebrity and go to New York. Not everyone has that draw. Look at Sidney Crosby playing in Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh is not a new, is not a major city, and he's signed many contracts, you know, and long term ones, I- and and he's committed to them because he likes his life. You know, it's nice enough. He makes good money. I mean, Eric Stahl stayed there for a long, long time. And when he left in free agency, he went to Minnesota, which is another relatively sure. small market. But, I mean, he wanted to be in Minnesota because that's where well, he's I think, from. Well, I think Minnesota is different. It's the state of hockey. But that's where he's from. But, yeah. yeah. But the point is that people will want to be there. And especially, by the way, if hockey becomes even more and more popular there and people, you know, guys from North Carolina are making it to the NHL, then they're really going to want to be there because that's home. And who doesn't want to go play it for your hometown team? I think it is kind of cool, speaking of like warm weather hockey, that the likely number one pick in the 2019 NHL draft is from Florida originally. Jack well, Hughes is, from, is, yeah. is originally from Orlando, which is, which is kind of cool. Just like Austin Matthews was from Arizona. It's cool to see guys coming out of those markets. Well, uh, what's his name? With the Arizona Coyotes, Jacob Chikrin, who was picked sixth overall by the Arizona Coyotes a few years ago. He's from Boca Raton, I think. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. Great. it's, it's great to see guys coming from there. But I, I think, I think like another comp that I might have is, you know, Arizona. The Coyotes won on a, a big run. 2012, they ended up losing to the Kings. And I, I believe seven games in the, in the West Finals. They lost to the Blackhawks, I believe. No, it. they beat the Blackhawks in the second round. Oh, yeah. Sorry, but sorry, they sorry, lost sorry, to sorry, the yes, Kings, so, yeah. who eventually won the Stanley Cup that year. Yep. I mean, like, that was a run in a similar market in terms of a, a market that hockey has been struggling with consistently. I think that that's... And a, it's, it's more recent than, you know, some other runs by Carolina or the likes. I would say that the, the, the key difference in that situation was the stability and effort, like the stability of Definitely the it's a less stable franchise. Like when, when they were being, like, literally owned by the right, NHL to right. prevent them from actually failing... They weren't. They didn't have the same thing that Carolina has in Tom Dundon taking every effort to maximize sure. engagement. Sure. You know, it, uh, I see why you looked to that one, but I think that that one really should have an asterisk and not be considered. Sure. Okay. Is what I would say. Yeah, that was just the one that came to my mind, honestly. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely. 
I, Carolina advancing, like, no one, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. I would like to talk about one other thing, though. Yeah. Which is that I'd like to recant, you know, I'd like to fully join the Sharks bandwagon. Dude, you've got to join the Sharks bandwagon. I, I'd like to, I'd actually. It's like a to, great wagon to be on. I'd like to rejoin, because I was all the way on it in 2016. Yeah. I really, yep. or was that 2015? 2015. No, 2015. No, 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 it was, it was 16. 16. It yeah. was 16, yeah. I was all the way on the Sharks bandwagon in 2016, and I was really disappointed when they lost to the Penguins. Yeah, no, I was so too, honestly. I'd like to hop back on that. Okay. Avalanche done. Join us. Not looking very good. No, not at all. It's tough. And uh, again, you predicted the Avalanche would beat the Sharks. I did. <laughs> and I, I was full Sharks the whole way, just like I've been full Bruins the whole way. You know what? I guess I should have just respected my own degradation of the calgary flames more than i did you know i really was very weak like low on them i thought mm-hmm. they were not a good team but then you know they kind of got walked by the avalanche and i was like well in my mind i was like well maybe the avalanche are just really good yeah it just speaks more yeah. to the flames in hindsight it just speaks more to the yeah. flames as just not being good which i originally knew that but didn't respect it enough i would agree and then we have just to briefly touch on it the mm. stars and the blues are 2-2 yep Go stars, go. I'm stars all the way. Go stars, I, I go. I completely agree. I, I I think it'll be. It should be stars, sharks in the West Finals. I think it's anyone's game when it when it gets to that point. Honestly, it, that like, I'm high on both teams. I I'm rooting for the sharks, but the stars are my early pick. Okay, now here's here's my question. You we can't say it on the radio, obviously, <laughs> but you recall hearing the story about what the stars CEO said about. Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. Oh yeah, he said they were playing like bleep. Oh yeah, bleep, and uh, and uh, I mean, is that the best motivation tactic you've ever seen? If they go to the Stanley Cup final, oh, it has to be. Dude. Is is that the new thing? That that is the Western Conference version of they're playing like a bunch of jerks or whatever the heck it was. No, it's not that even was the about the Hurricanes. No, because. Well, that was Don it, Cherry. It, in that terms of a motivator. No, that's a little different, though, honestly, because that's like, I mean, is if is next year, if if uh, if the Bruins don't do so hot out of the gates, is he just going to be like, this is a joke, okay? Is Don Sweeney just going to be like, this whole team's a joke? They're playing, like, terribly. Yeah. No, I mean, I just, I guess I just equated that they were, like, statements made that yeah. were, you know, points to rally around. I, I, I don't know, like, that would definitely be a great a great motivator for them, and, it, and if they do go on to win, what a great story that would be! And like I've always been high on that first line: Jamie Ben, Alexander Radulov. How could you not and be? Tyler Sagan. I love them. Honestly, I'm surprised by. I think that Matt Zuccarello was an amazing acquisition. He's been great too. He's been honestly. a difference maker. Yeah, and, and he Ben was Bishop they needed. with his usual stellar goaltending as well. He's always been that X factor for me. You know, um, but I think that's going to do it for our hockey talk. Um, as you can tell, we're both really into it. Um, it, it's, it's, it's only going to get better. Hopefully the Bruins are still playing when we have our show next week. Uh, but we are going to take a quick break, uh, enjoy the music. And we'll be back in a few minutes with NBA in some NFL draft recap. Just watching coach Vance Joseph. And here he is having the time of his life. All right. And welcome back to the Kyle and Kasanoff show. What do you want to do first, Kyle? I think we should get into the NBA a little bit. All right, let's do it. So the Celtics and Bucks, it's 1-1. Okay. It's 1-1. I'm bringing the enthusiasm in this segment. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's 1-1. It's been, it's been an interesting start to the series. I would say it's like we had a blowout one way, and then we had a blowout another way. But I don't see this as being as, you know, out of hand as both games have been. I saw both games as kind of 
two lopsided quarters. It was a it was an incredible third quarter run by the Celtics in Game One, and it was a it was a similar run by the Bucks in in, in Game Two. And I, I think that the Celtics definitely. I mean, I'm sorry, the Bucks definitely more outplayed the Celtics in their win than the Celtics did in their in their win. I would say, mm-hmm. like Chris Middleton, what did he hit eight threes in Game Two? Like, and seven of them were in the first half. That's like, a lot. Like, yeah, like a couple of crazy performances there. What needs to happen going forward here? It, it's one one now, and this is what this is what would have been my prediction for the series heading in, or or my advice for the Celtics. You need, I, I whenever Giannis is on the floor, I want Horford on the floor guarding him. He needs to be there. He he's gonna be if if, I mean obviously no one can really shut him down, but Horford came pretty close to doing that in Game One. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a performance, you know, like that that was not an MVP kind of performance from him yep. in game one. And Horford is the reason for that. He's mm-hmm. the guy who's going to slow him down. And I think on offense, and that's going to be the key on defense, and I think the Celtics' D is stingier than the Celtics' O is, like, doing their thing. And I think I think the Celtics' O is the, is the shakiest of the four units on the floor. Um, and I think on offense, the Celtics need to run pick and rolls between Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. Mm-hmm. The whole game that that needs to be eighty percent of their offense needs to be pick and rolls. Now at Horford's age, are you are you concerned by the amount of play you're prescribing for him? No, I'm not. At, I'm not at all. You think he's durable? He, he's I think he. I think if anyone can do it, it's definitely him. Mm-hmm. He's one of the most slept on players in the NBA. I think him, perhaps more than anyone else, is the kind of guy who his his impact on the court isn't measured in numbers. He is kind of this silent killer almost in, in terms of like the way that he can, can impact the game. He's a Nikola Jokic which, without the numbers, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Again, like you need to run pick and rolls through them. Kyrie's going to get looks at the rim. He's going to get mid-range looks. Horford's going to get open threes. And they're going to be able to kick it out to Hayward, Brown, or Tatum for open threes as well. If they can get that going and the Bucks aren't going to be able to stop that, mm-hmm. if they just rely on that, that's going to be their key for win- to eventually pull out the series in probably what I think will be seven games. Okay. Now, here's my question for you. Golden State versus Houston. Did you see Golden State as going up 2-0 early? Yeah. Yeah, I did. You thought it was going to be this easy? Yeah. Because I th- I thought this was going to be a little more of a matchup. I think that Golden State has seen what Utah did in Game 1 in terms of how—, in how uh, n- not Game 1, in the first series, in the yep. first round. Utah did some of the most— incredible defensive measures ever mm-hmm. or they took some of the most incredible defensive measures ever to try and contain James Harden and they worked James Harden did not shoot well at all throughout that first series he yep. didn't and and what it came down to like watching it it was quite bizarre watching because the Jazz often would put the guys on Harden behind him mm-hmm Tempting him to drive the lane and try and, you know, potentially maybe get fouled, maybe not get fouled, but it would avoid a three mm-hmm. and perhaps an additional free throw if he hits the three and gets fouled because he's known for doing that. Yep. Um, and now he's think, also known for jumping into people so he lands in their landing zone. Yes, exactly. And I think Golden State has been able to utilize both of those facts in terms of how to play him better on D mm-hmm. and also how to, you know, like they've been good. I mean, like, again, I. I'm trying to make this case for them, but I think also part of it has been the refs. Like the refs have also been better at ca- at not calling that in well, terms of when he kicks his legs out. Here's my question: You know, is the new James Harden defense just land with your feet separated? 
Yeah, that could definitely be it, honestly. Right. It's like, guarantee that you won't be in his landing space, you know? Yeah, because if he jumps into you, it's, he's just going to land right in between your feet. It's either that or just don't play him at all. Just play behind him and make him drive the lane. And then he, and then he certainly wouldn't get any threes, or he, or he would at least get a lot less in the half court. Uh-huh. Now, coming back to the Eastern Conference, I mean, Philadelphia versus Toronto, we the North. How do you decide? It's so close. Toronto, I think, pulls it out. I, I think Toronto should pull it out. Um, it's a it's a close game right now here mm-hmm. as we're ending the first quarter. But I think that Kawhi and, and Siakam and if and Lowry, if 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 Lowry can you know escape, like we talked about, Bob's you know small mindedness in the playoffs. You know, Lowry has 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 had similar problems, and I think if if he can overcome that, for I the mean, Raptors, DeRozan was the same way for the Spurs. Yes, no, yeah, exactly. I mean. I mean it's just complete mental midgetry. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. And I think, like, he can be the X Factor for them. I think the Raptors are the better team. Um, I mean, like, I thought it was funny. Like, I don't know if you saw after the Sixers won game two, mm-hmm. Brett Brown goes, that was James Butler up there. That wasn't Jimmy. That was James. That's a man. <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't. I don't know if he was chirping Jimmy Butler because I. I also was confused. Or also be, because I had to look it up. Jimmy Butler's name is not James. Yeah. It's just Jimmy. <laughs> well, like he said, but like I, I. I didn't know what he meant. But like his name is not James, and like it would be hilarious if mm. Brett Brown actually thought that Jimmy was you know a nickname for James. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, that's that's hilarious. But also suggesting <laughs> well, I mean, that, that Jimmy is a nickname for James. Right, no, traditionally yeah. is, but like it would be funny if Brett Brown, his own coach, didn't know that yes, his name yeah, yeah, yeah. actually wasn't, you know, Jimmy. Well, um, that would be the classic uh, Nationals manager move. Uh, what's his name? David Johnson. No, the, the manager of the Washington Nationals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that that's not the current manager. The w- who you're referring to? The one who kept calling Bru- him Bryce Harper, Bruce Harper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah. I remember. No, exactly. It's a very, it, it's a very similar case, but also it's kind of like, like was. He's suggesting that Jimmy's not a man usually, <laughs> but that that night in particular he was a man. And also, he had 30 points and 11 boards. Like, great night, but like I feel like it was a little bit overhyped. It's not like he dropped 50 and did like yeah. the, uh, did the Damian Lillard stare down. Like, he had a great fourth quarter compared to what the other guys on his team were contributing. Mm-hmm. Sure, outstanding performance. But like I think calling it domination is a little bit much. I agree. Great performance nonetheless. So, speaking of Damian Lillard, it's 1-1. <laughs> Out West, Portland versus Denver. Yeah, that was a weird game last night. That was I'd, a really weird game. I'd really like to see Dame keep rolling. Did you see like did you see Tory Craig break his nose? I missed that. It was there was a lot of blood. <laughs> there was a lot of blood. He, he came up and he was a trooper. It's it's the playoff basketball. He came back in, had a mask on, had two plugs up his nose. Mm. Clearly he was shaken up. Probably That's had be a, tough to play. Probably had a concussion as well. Comes in. Five seconds later, drains a three. <laughs> Good for him. But then also, at the very end of the game, mm. Ennis Cantor gets pushed in inadvertently from Sorry, sorry, from sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I need to jump in here. Yep. How is Ennis Cantor playing for in this series? Uh, what a wild story. He gets released by the Knicks mid-year. The Knicks, the worst team in the NBA, released. Nobody picks him up. Portland ends up picking him up at the very end of the season. Now he's with them for the stretch run. And and what a great contributor he's been for them, honestly. It's like and he'd be the first to tell you. He he said it after the first round um at the press conference. Like, thank you to Portland, thank you to the Knicks, thank you to everyone else who passed on me, because this is the ideal situation for me. <laughs> you know? And what a steal for Portland, because yeah. he really is at his best. I think he is a top ten center in the NBA. I would go that far. Mm-hmm. But I think it, like what, what I was a uh, 
um, attempting to mention was at the end of the game he gets pushed into Craig yeah. and he, he basically runs him over mm-hmm. and Craig's rolling around. Clearly he has a, he has a head injury on top of the broken nose, mm-hmm. but then they start scuffling. Like that was kind of the highlight of the game. <laughs> but Denver, Denver lost. Not for any reason, but they just went absolutely cold at the end. They had so many chances to, to you know, I mean, like, it was a good comeback until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. They got it within seven or eight, but they could never close it because they just couldn't hit shots when it really mattered in those last three minutes. Uh-huh. But nonetheless, it's going to be a great close series the rest of the way, honestly. I'm I'm excited for this one. I think Golden State wins their series in about five games, I would say, over under maybe one. I, I don't see that going seven at all from a mm-hmm. 2-0 lead for for Golden State, and I think both both East series are going to be closer than both West series. So overall, it's going to be a great slate. And it's it's so funny because it's the complete opposite of what we're seeing in the NHL in terms of like the teams that are left. It's only the best teams that are left. It's only the big markets that are left. Well, I will say this: uh, Russell Westbrook is sitting on his couch. Yeah, but I and wouldn't say a, that he's a star. I he's, he's a, a star, star, but I wouldn't say he's on the best team though. I agree. You know, I agree. No, no, I. Connor McDavid's also sitting on his couch. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that's not his fault. Right? I think that I think that I mean, if you want to just have I guess I'm just discussion. making the comparison of a star sitting on the bench. Yeah, no, I, on his couch. I understand, but I think that the only thing to say is that I think Connor McDavid by all accounts Sidney Crosby's on his is couch. as good as is probably better compared to his sport than Russell Westbrook. It's just that your team matters more. Yeah. Connor McDavid is the Sydney Cro- Brandt or Sydney Crosby, James. Evgeny Malkin, Alexander mm-hmm. Ovechkin, Stephen Stamkos, can I, can Nikita I say, Kucherov. Can I jump like, in The here? list goes on and on. Connor McDavid. Can I jump on in On and on and on. <laughs> is Kevin Durant better than LeBron James? Right now? Yeah, 100%. I, I wouldn't even say... I, I would say that Kevin Durant is the best player in basketball right now. Yeah. Better than everyone. Better than Giannis. Better than Kawhi. Less better, finals losses. Less finals losses. Mm. I mean, I Makes guess you think. equal finals losses to Giannis and Kawhi. No. What? Yeah, yeah, equal finals losses to Giannis and Kawhi. Wait, what do you mean to Giannis and Kawhi? Because both of them have zero finals losses. Giannis also has zero appearances. But Kawhi also has a finals MVP. But the discussion yeah. is about Durant versus LeBron. Yep. He definitely has less finals losses than, mm-hmm. than LeBron does. But I would say that his finals wins definitely mean a lot less than LeBron. LeBron's wins. But he was the MVP. Yeah, but I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, yeah. what he had to do to get there, we knew he was going to be the MVP because he's the best player on the floor no matter what court he steps on. Mm-hmm. But what he had to do to get there, I think, t- like significantly diminishes. Yeah. You know? I, I get it. I, I mean, obviously, I, I do believe that LeBron but in terms is of the a, best player of all But in terms time. of a pure basketball player right now, Kevin Durant is the best. He's the yep. best pure. He can score from anywhere. He's a better pure scorer than Harden, I would say, mm-hmm. who's, the, who's the next closest comp. Giannis isn't isn't reliable outside of the paint. He's not wet from three like KD is. Yeah, KD can score from anywhere. Harden is threes and layups and, I, and free I, throws. I, I when he doesn't have that, he's not much of a player. It's weird watching a seven-footer do a pull-up three. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is, it's really weird. It's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal at all, but that's where the NBA is going, you yeah. know? It's guys like Ben Simmons. Obviously, he can't shoot, but it's guys <laughs> like Simmons. It's guys like Drennan. It's guys like Gunnett. It's big guys. You know, they come into the league with a mm-hmm. dribble, you know? It's... It all comes from the dribbling and the defense, and mm-hmm. then they kind of build up their shot how from about, there. How about the Markel Fultz, the the lawyer advising him to stop shooting the basketball? <laughs> that is is definitely sound advice, honestly. <laughs> I think he should just give it up for a while and then maybe come back to it later. Ben Simmons has thrived without a jump shot. You know, maybe that maybe that can be Fultz as well. Um, who would have thought that I'd be mentioning Markel Fultz's name during this one hour show? But here we are. 
Um, but yes, but uh, overall, like I'm really excited about what I'm seeing here in the NBA. Obviously, the Celtics being in it makes it that much more exciting for me. Um, I think we should take one more break, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up with the draft. Um, but stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop Look that out. man. Here comes the blue coat, Kevin. Oh, they got him. Here comes They're coming the blue from coats. the left. Oh, and they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Oh, that was the most exciting thing to happen tonight. All right, and welcome back to the Kyle and Kasanoff show. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL draft. So Kyler yeah. Murray goes goes number one overall, as expected. Yeah. Josh Rosen gets traded to the Dolphins. Maybe handles the trade too well. Yeah, I I think he handled it too well, considering that they're just going to draft Tua Tagovailoa first overall next year, and and Rosen will be in the same situation that he is right Why? now. Why is Tua really better than Josh Rosen on given a real chance? See, like that, like this season will tell that Tua is a lefty. Also, lefties have never done well in the NFL, ever. Again, well, Mike, Mike Vick would beg to differ. He didn't do that well. He did pretty well. He <laughs> beat the Packers. The Packers had never lost a playoff game at home, mm. never in their history. They've been, they've been around for, what, 80 years prior to this happening? Look, Michael what? Vick beat them at home in the playoffs. One is an exception, not a rule. <laughs> I'm just saying, you suggesting that lefties have never had Toss a good Michael, career. Michael, okay. Take Michael Vick, go read his story to Malcolm Gladwell. That's an outlier. I'm not here having it. That's just an outlier? Yep. Ken Stabler is another lefty. I had to look it up. Yeah, you had to look just, it up. Okay. I had, I had to look it up. Okay. Ken Stabler was the MVP and won a Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, like this doesn't really help me at all because I, I had to look it up. This, yep. this, again, full disclosure, this was not fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. With the like with the Oakland Raiders, was a Super Bowl champion mm-hmm. and an NFL MVP. Sure, certifiably good career for a lefty quarterback. There have been few, Five. but I think also it's just only ten percent of the world is lefty. So like, there's just a smaller sample size there. And look, these football guys, their minds aren't built to run systems that could work with a lefty or a righty. Okay, you know, you send a lefty. I assure you, though, you draft two at number one, everything gets switched around. I mean, you build around that. I don't agree. You know, I don't agree. If, if you're the Cardinals and and say, for whatever reason, Tua is on the Cardinals. Larry Fitzgerald say he's on the right. He's probably gonna move over to the left. Everything's just gonna be in reverse. All of a sudden, your right tackle is going to be the second highest played player on your team, highest paid player on your team. Yeah, but that's a, the problem with that is that sets up a lot of longevity issues. What happens when Tua goes down and you put? Well, your you in? well you assume that you're gonna have him for four years. Okay, yeah, but I'm just uh, I don't. I'm not getting behind him. Maybe then, who knows? Maybe you go as far as to as to sign a lefty backup. Oh, you know, total the, wild card. Is the NFL ready for an all lefty? An all lefty room? quarterback? Yeah, exactly. I don't think the NFL is ready for that because that might be what needs to happen. Because because it, it has been a while since the team has had to build around a lefty quarterback. I do think that guys like John Gruden would just decline to play those teams. He just couldn't come up with how to. <laughs> I just don't think he could come up with a defense for that. No, honestly. I don't think he would understand. It would be revolutionary. But back to the, st- to the story of this draft. Yep. Again, Josh Rosen was traded. Mm-hmm. He was super excited about it. He's going to the Dolphins. Terrible situation in Miami. Okay, can I just say this? 
Josh Rosen, like, he needs a dose of buffalo. Like, he needs a dose of... (laughs) What does that mean, Matt? What does a dose of buffalo entail? He just needs a dose of, like, not just warm beach places (laughs) where you can golf year-round. Okay. Places that you take a vacation to, you mean, Matt? Yeah, man goes from (laughs) Southern California... To yep. Arizona to Miami. From Manhattan Beach. Get a to- real Okay, get a real life bud. That's not the yeah. real world. Most of us, we have winters, we have seasons, okay? Our life is bad for part of the year because the sun doesn't come out. Maybe that's why those teams never do well. Yeah. He, because they don't experience the grit that comes with playing yeah. in these cold climates. Yeah. What, did, what does Josh Rosen know about a late practice in November when the sun's going down and it's cold? Or, or like, he needs a taste, you know, not even Buffalo. Mm. He needs a taste of Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia yeah. practices outside. They play in a dome stadium, and he practices outside in, in January Honestly, or, or December because some, the Lions don't make the playoffs. Some Kansas City, even. Like, it doesn't have to be that far north. Right. There's a place that has seasons. Right. Exactly. Maybe that's what he needs. It might be what he gets eventually, because I don't see this lasting that long in Miami. I don't see him as the guy in Miami. Dude, so all he does, he just, L.A. Cullen, Chargers, sign me up. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> honestly. Honestly, because the Chargers could be that next team. Well, okay. I think the Steelers as well. I mean, the Steelers mm-hmm. did just extend Roethlisberger. Yep. But, like... You have to think, because it seems like right now, all 32 teams are pretty stable in terms of quarterbacks. It's rare that it's like that. Like, yeah. you, like usually, like you had, like at least recently, like, like we've seen, like, the Houston Texans a lot and the Cleveland Browns. A lot though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But it seems like right now, all 32 teams are pretty stable in terms of quarterbacks. Yep. But, it like, and now you start thinking about, like, who that next team is, is going to be that needs one. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning towards L.A. I'm leaning towards Pittsburgh. And the Giants, like, we can get into that in a minute. They just picked Daniel Jones. I don't see him as the answer in New York. I agree. You know? So, the, like, I, I put them on that list as well. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the Patriots as well, you know? Yeah. Brady's going to turn 42 in August. And someone's going to get that kid from Clemson. Trevor Lawrence, I believe he's he's two years away, though. Yeah, but... Next year, it'll be Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert from Oregon. Those yeah. are the two... But, I mean, we're talking about teams that could be two years away from picking Sam up Sam Ellinger as well from Texas, yeah. Yeah. Sam Ellinger and... and and Trevor Lawrence will probably, as of now, it seems, mm-hmm. dominate two years from now. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's all about who that next guy is. I mean, I'll say this: if the if the national championship is anything to go on, Trevor Lawrence may already be better than every Browns quarterback pre Tyrod Taylor. I'd say he's better than Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Even right now, I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. He's really he's really good. I like Tyrod Taylor. Like I think he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good player, too. But I think Trevor Lawrence could be Tom Brady. And I don't think Tyrod Taylor is ever going to be that. Okay, that's fair. I'm just, I'm just trying not to disrespect Tyrod Taylor by sure. grouping him in with the group with the people that came before him. Yeah, I mean, well, he, I he, did mean to he's gotten a long list of raw deals as well in terms of, like, yeah. not getting opportunities and benching him for, you know, Nathan Peterman, among others, you know? I mean, um, boy, I mean, how, how wrong were they? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I mean, like they have their guy now, so I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. But like, yeah, honestly, and and like, I, I guess it was like, remember, not too long ago, two years ago, the Bills did make the playoffs. Yep, we're an upstate New York show, so we should, you know, give the Bills their due. It seems, it seems like we have. They made the playoffs two years ago. And Dude, I thought that was this. No, yeah, that was two years ago. So I guess I mean, like, technically, calendar one yeah. year ago. I mean, they gave. I mean, they got three points. So, mm-hmm. like, good for them. They didn't get zero. <laughs> <laughs> they scored in the playoffs. They didn't score a touchdown. Um, I th- well, I've, they're working up to that. Yeah. Come back in another decade, and they'll score a touchdown. Right, right. In the playoffs. Maybe, maybe the next step for them is scoring a touchdown in the playoffs. Okay. Then, even maybe further down the road, maybe, maybe you can get a win in the wild card round. 
Mm. But that seems far off from now. In the Saturday afternoon game on ESPN. But the Bills had a great draft this year. Yeah. They got a great value pick at nine with Ed Oliver. They had a great pick with Ed Oliver. A promising young player. Promising young player. I can't. I, I'm. My knowledge of the Bills draft stops there. I know that it was a good draft, but Ed Oliver is the only name off the top of my head right now. Okay. Well, me too. Good for you, Bills fans. <laughs> yeah, great job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, and I mean, like, we mentioned the Cardinals with um, Kyler Murray at one. Yep. They drafted a pair of wide receivers mm-hmm. in what the hell? Uh, Andy Isabella from UMass. Yeah. And Hakeem Murphy, I want to say his name is. I don't. I don't remember the two other potential, guy. Um, two potential week one starters for them at mm-hmm. receiver at a key position. You're going to have to surround Kyler Murray with, with weapons. Well, if we're talking about receivers, for the first time, Hakeem Butler. Sorry, Hakeem Butler. For the name. first time ever, the Patriots drafted a wide receiver in the first round, I believe. Or yes. Maybe it was the first time under Bill Belichick. First time under Belichick. Yeah, they've drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Nikhil Harry. Yeah. Yep. I think he's going to be good. Honestly. I would hope if he gets a first-round pick. I mean, he plays in the Pac-12, mm-hmm. so not a whole lot of East Coast eyes watching Pac-12 football. And you know he got targeted in the Pac-12. You know he got targeted in the Pac-12. <laughs> exactly. Plays for Arizona State. Played for Herm Edwards down in Arizona State. Oh, my God. Has he ever had a coaching um, system? But I think like th- the comp that I heard for him mm-hmm. was Josh Gordon, and I think he has he has well, si- that's good. He's got similar measurables. Mm-hmm. I mean, the comp on the field is Josh Gordon. Hopefully, it's not off the field. Yeah, hopefully the comp <laughs> off the field is uh, is Josh Rosen, a guy who likes to you know read books, has <laughs> has real hobbies. That's like, what I want in my receivers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I'm excited, and they got a great um, Vinovich. Mm-hmm. The defensive end out of Michigan. He's supposed to be a great value pick for them yep. as well. Um, they drafted a punter, curiously. They traded up. Not not only did they draft a punter, they tr- traded up to draft a punter in the fifth round. Look, after, this, just ex- after just extending Ryan Allen. Look, this would be one of those situations where if it were the like if it were the Bills, you'd be like, what's going on there? But you just have some faith in Bill Belichick. That maybe Belichick like identified him as like someone who's like a really good long snapper. I know that's unrealistic because of the size differences, but you know you could a just, really good holder on the field. Yeah, yeah a really good holder. <laughs> like, like it is, there's something about him that Belichick was like, we need this guy. But you think this like, it's the kind of thing that I think about with the Giants mm-hmm. is that do you think anyone was gonna take this guy, this punter? It's very rare that punters get drafted at all. Yeah. You know, was this guy just gonna be available after the draft? And you could have used that fifth rounder on. I mean, given. The Patriots did have too many draft selections this year. They had 12 of them. You're not going <laughs> to fill 12 spots in your roster in one year. That's so, just not, you know. So what do you do? So yeah. I guess why not? Yeah. But I don't know. It's just kind of a funny <laughs> thing. And, and and with a guy like Ryan Allen in your roster, who quite frankly should have been Super Bowl MVP, but he's a punter, so obviously he wasn't. Um, he literally did win them that Super Bowl. Yep. He pinned them inside the 20, it seemed like, every single time. Mm-hmm. Like, it must have been 10 or 12 times. Um could have been 30 or 40. It could have been 30. Yeah, exactly. That game could still be going on. (laughs) Honestly, they all count the same, so what do we care? Right, exactly. Um, But, you know, I'm excited about the Patriots. I'm excited about the Cardinals. Obviously, Mm -hmm. those are my two teams. Um, The Giants, I I, I think we should touch on it. Like, we've already kind of of mentioned it briefly. Daniel Jones at six. What are you doing, guys? What are you doing? What's the plan? You, You trade Odell Beckham, and then you all of a sudden draft a quarterback. Wouldn't it be nice if that guy is your future to have a guy like Odell Beckham to throw to? Here's, can I just say this? I think Dave Gettleman needs to permanently be mic'd up. Anything that comes out of his mouth is news. And the guy can't catch a break. Everything he says to the media is terrible. 
and makes it him seem less and less and less like he knows what he's doing. He clearly doesn't know what he's doing. And so for that reason, I think he should always be mic'd up. Yeah. I think we should have 100% access to the New York Giants front office. And it's so funny because given that he was traded for first-round picks, you can consider him to be a first-round pick for the Browns this year. Technically. So... I'd say I'd say it was definitely a win for the Browns, you know. Um, when I mean they got who who they get Christian Wilkins at seventeen. I believe so. It was if it wasn't him, it was another defensive tackle, mm-hmm. another non-primo position. Yep. To be picking in the first round. Um, yeah, honestly, because like it seems like the kind of thing that at six they could have taken Josh Allen, and and then they probably could have gotten Jones at seventeen. Let's talk about Josh Allen. Which one? The the newly drafted one. The newly drafted one. Yep. He ended up going to who? Oof. Josh Allen went to the Jaguars at seven. Yep. The Jaguars. So they could have taken him at six if if you're the Giants. And then at seventeen, he's a good player. They though. got Dexter Lawrence. Okay, so Christian Wilkins. Okay, I confused the two because they're both they're both defensive tackles from, from Clemson. Clemson. <laughs> okay, so easy easy. Mistake yep. to make there. I will, I will, I will give it to you. Okay, here's, but yeah, yeah. Here's one thing which I want to talk about briefly. Yep. Do you think guys who declare for the NFL draft and aren't drafted should be allowed to go back to college? One hundred percent. The same issue is in the NBA. One hundred percent. Well, in the NBA, it's a little different actually. I was reading about this in a, uh, what's it in the Axios Sports newsletter. Uh, Shout out Axios Sports by, uh, by Kendall Baker. Shout out Kendall Baker. Okay. Because basically in the NBA, if you don't sign an agent, you can return to college. But in the NFL, the but how, I want to know what the numbers are for people who how many people who declare for the draft don't sign agents before the draft. Well, know? I mean, it happened notably with uh, the kid from Wisconsin last year. He went into the the guy the guy he's a senior this year, I believe. But he went into the draft process, got some feedback from teams, realized that it wasn't gonna he was maybe gonna be a late second round pick. And he said he'd rather go back to college. So he didn't sign the agent. He figured oh, it out. Oh, no, no, no. So what I'm thinking of is a little bit different. Yeah. It's guys who actually wait out the draft. Yeah. And then don't get picked. And then you're sitting there after the draft with an agent. Mm-hmm. You're technically a professional now. Yeah. You can't go back. That's what I'm thinking of. That seems silly to me. Because, I mean, here's how it works in hockey, right? So these guys get drafted at 18. So you get drafted at 18. And then... Right, well, hockey and baseball is different because yeah, like, they but then they go to college. Rights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I don't understand. Why doesn't the NBA do that? If, they, if they're ready to come out at 18, they bring him out. You know, Zion Williamson, he can come out if he's, if he's ready. I, I or, completely agree. I think that you should be allowed to be drafted when you complete high school. Mm-hmm. Teams should hold your rights for, you know, or, however long. Or even if you want to do the one-and-done rule, you could still just make the draft be after the freshman year of college and then just let him go back. For after that. And now, you can't hire an agent in hockey, but you can have a family advisor with air quotes around it. Sure. So essentially, the person who you will sign, who will help you, and basically they essentially make that investment. Basically, it's someone that you're not paying. Is that what it is? But like, they're hired under the notion that you're going to pay them in the future as a full-time agent? Well, I actually think that families are expected to pay them, I think. It's unclear (laughs) to me. Like, basically, families pay for right. maybe their advisor, like a consultant. Right, right, right. As opposed to, you know, add their wages. But I'm, I'm not sure about it. I, maybe they don't get paid. I, it's, I'm not sure. Okay. Don't quote me on anything. Sure. Uh, so I won't. Yeah, don't. Don't. Please. Thank you. Okay. But You're welcome. it is a different system where, basically, 
they get drafted, and then they just go to college. And yeah, then, no, I mean, and I, then I if agree. The, if the team calls them and say, we have a spot on our NHL roster, do you want to come claim it? They could say yes and sign that contract. And yeah, leave. then it becomes a different – because, like – but I think also there's there's – I don't know, like, if that becomes the system where it becomes you get drafted at 18 and then you just go to college, yeah. I think you'd need a better development system. Well, no, that w- that's what happens is that then college becomes part of the development system, right? So every summer you'll talk to the team and say, do I want to stay in college? Is that what's best for me? I guess, do I yeah, now that I'm thinking pro? about it, I guess. Is that what's best for me? Right. Because a lot of times teams say, you know what, go to college, learn something, you know, I put think on, that's definitely put on some weight for right. two years. Right, like figure it out. Just keep working hard, and we'll reassess. And that's a way that you know guys kind of can make careers out of things, and teams will take chances on you because they'll they'll have that time. Well, I don't think that I don't think that this applies to football really at all. I think that why well, no, but so the reason why I brought this up is because Kendall, I don't think that players should be drafted Ken, out of high school. In football. Well, Kendall Baker's article basically says that once you declare for the NFL draft, the second you declare, you're ineligible. Right, so I th- I think that considering that players can't declare until after their junior year, I would consider if you're even on the cusp, foolish to not play that last year. But most, but more and more players are dropping out of college with one year left and declaring for the draft and then not getting drafted. Right, and I think that I think that and, obviously and, it's case by case, but I think that you're foolish if that's if that happens to you. I, you should have the foresight and just be like, yeah, I, I'm gonna play one more season of college ball. Look, I agree with you, but I guess granted, I'm only bringing I don't it up because know, it is a problem. Granted, I say that, but I'm generalizing that the players are are able to afford playing at college one more mm-hmm. year. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, I don't know if they need the money the other, that would come if you're drafted. I, I don't know what the situation is. The other issue is that counter to the NBA where you can talk to teams and get feedback sure. without losing your eligibility. Right. You can't do that in football. Right. In right. football, when you go do your workout for you know the Bengals, right. you lost your eligibility. Yeah. Even though all you wanted to do was get some feedback, and so you know in the NBA you can go do your workout for the Bucks, and the Bucks can say, "Look, we you know we we talked to another team, we've assessed you, we think you should do another year of college because you're not going to get drafted," and that's helpful. That's definitely <laughs> helpful. In, in the NBA, that's not what happens necessarily. I think you could also in the NBA. I think there could be. I don't know, maybe expanding your partnership with European teams because that's a whole other well, avenue. The NBA is a little bit easier because if you declared and then weren't drafted, you could go to Europe. Yeah. In the NFL, it's also that's a huge it. problem because guys are leaving that year early, and then when they don't get drafted, there's no league for them. There's nowhere for them to go, especially because right. the AAF doesn't exist anymore. Right. They're just they're out of a job. And it's not even like like in the NBA, like if you're not drafted, like you can get signed as an undrafted free agent and go play in the G League. But obviously there's mm-hmm. no development team. I guess maybe like you can get a practice squad. Why? But those thing. spots are already so competitive. They're I mean, yeah. obviously they're already so competitive, but like yeah, it's definitely easier in the NBA if that happens to you. What I don't understand is why the NFL allowed the AAF to fold. The NFL or why the NFL PA wouldn't let practice squad players play there. There's nothing that could be better than the NFL, in my opinion, than having a real development league. Because I think that they fear it becoming more than that, and they fear that TVs are going to tune into the AAF because well, no, of the excitement. It should be on factor. at the same time, though. Like, it should not be a television event. It should be a. It should not be thought of as a business necessarily, but as a support structure. It's like a. It's like when companies hire employees and they send them to training programs. Right? But they, but the AAF was founded 
like with the idea that in the short term at least it would be a business it would be entertainment yeah and then it would grow into being a more stable development league yeah you know and but the nflpa basically ruined it because they wouldn't let the players go and then once that happened they were like yeah there really isn't a future here and like obviously like but that people weren't tuning in to me that's a puzzling decision well i mean the owner of the AF, essentially the owner of the AF, was was down seventy million dollars. Are you just going to let him continue to lose money? Yes. Why? I would. Until he has no money, and then the, and then the Carolina Hurricanes move back to Hartford when they get sold. You know. You know. Okay. Why? Can I just can I just jump in here? We should. We probably should have mentioned this, but so I guess I'm going to the Connecticut. I mean, sorry, the National Women's Hockey League, the NWHL. All the players went on strike today. And said they will not play until they're treated fairly. Defined fairly, like well, paid equally. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that they. Well, I, well, I mean, they're asking for it in soccer. Well, it, that's a different situation because that's treatment from a national team. That's not from a business. Sure. But uh, they're like the salary cap for each team is a hundred thousand dollars. Total. Yes. Well, then I would say that there's other professions out there for you. Well, they most of them have other jobs. Yeah. But I, they want a good, they want a better setup. But the point is that, like, you know, which team? Draws Wait, so I'm, I'm sorry. So, what are they asking for? What are they on strike for? I, I, they basically want the NHL to buy the league and support it, them financially. Yeah, sure. Honestly, I mean, like, I guess what I'm thinking of is like the WNBA. Well, you know, I, like the WNBA wouldn't exist without the support of the NBA. You're right, but the WNBA is now actually itself a viable product. Yeah, exactly. And it grew that way through, yeah. you know, partnership with the NBA. Yeah. I mean, well, here's one thing that happens in, in the uh, – I looked it up today. Do you know which team draws the worst attendance, though? Connecticut. Yep, the Connecticut yeah, Whale. Of, of course. <laughs> they play <laughs> – They're averaging under 500 fans a game. And they play at the Civic Center in Hartford? No. They actually play in at Terry Connors in Stanford, I believe. Oh, Interesting. Huh, but it—it's it's, not a great look. It's funny, you asked me mm. what team draws the fewest. Me, obviously, with no knowledge of yep. what teams exist. Yeah, I thought you were asking about the WNBA. No, and I and there is a Connecticut WNBA team. Oh, is there? I, I thought that you meant WNBA, so I said <laughs> Connecticut. I obviously have no idea what teams exist in the National Women's Hockey League. So yep. Connecticut was just a complete stab in the dark. Okay, but the point but, is but, that. But props to me. Why would why would hockey move back to Connecticut? When the Connecticut <laughs> whale, I would, I would, I would counter that it's a, it's Hartford is a different market than Stanford is. No, because the te- the Rangers farm team does terrible numbers too. They're one of the worst in the AHL. Yeah, but that's a farm team. You talk about an NHL top level hockey, the whale. They come back. It's definitely better attendance numbers than what's happening down in Carolina with, with an improved Civic Center. Well, the sky's the limit. Well, well I don't know why you say that because. In cities that have both AHL teams and NHL teams, the AHL teams usually do very well. Right, but I don't. As, right. Yeah, yeah, but that's Hartford is not one of those cities, I guess. No, but the point is, is that maybe if it had an NHL team, the AHL team would be so, would be boosted because no, no, there's more interest in that, hockey. That's not the point. It's usually I think it's the interest in hockey that goes the other way around that supports the both those teams. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's funny how this show has really come full circle, yeah. but but I, I don't know. I, I guess look, hockey's always I guess on the because brain. I was deprived of ever being able to see the whale mm. that I, I, I want them back. Because they didn't exist in your lifetime. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You know what? Why don't you just buy one of those 
novelty jerseys. The Hurricanes are still selling them. <laughs> okay, that'd be good enough. And I think that's going to do us for tonight's edition of the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. Thank you so much for listening. And Any final thoughts? Yes, again, for our all of our listeners, our podcast listeners, we understand that this is going to be dropping on Friday. You might be a little bit confused as to mm. why that is. Obviously, we weren't doing our normal schedule on with it being a Thursday drop. We We should hopefully be back to our regular schedule next week on Thursday. And we'll keep you updated about what our schedule will be going forward after that because school does end here after that. So we'll, we will keep you posted. The content does not stop, though. Rest assured. Thank you for listening. Content is king, and we'll see you next time on the Kyle and Kasanoff Show. Show.